I get it. Like I look very dumb to all the engineers. Like they could have hired any like candidate who was a lot more qualified for this. I fully understand that and acknowledge that. But for me, like I'm one of those people where like that kind of stuff fuels me. Like nothing gives me more pleasure than flipping that script. Welcome to the Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. Let's say there was a job that you really wanted. You wanted it really, really badly at your core, but you didn't really have the qualifications. In fact, you had none of them. You didn't have the right resume. You didn't have the right degree. Your experience, your prior job experience was a mismatch for the role. You didn't have any connections to the industry or the company. Would you apply for it? For most people, the answer is no, because the obstacles seem like too many. It seems like there are too many hurdles to overcome and that it's not a possibility. But for today's guest, Britt Olson, the answer was yes. She wanted the position, she went for it, and she got it. I hope her story shows you that whatever it is that you want, and however far away it might feel, or however much of a mismatch you might think it is, if you talk yourself out of it, you may potentially be missing out on having your own story that sounds a lot like the story that you're about to hear from Brit. And with that, I'm going to bring you her story. I hope you enjoy it. Uh, I think I'm ready. I think so. All right. Let's do it. Okay. So I'll start by asking you to introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and a little bit about your career journey. Well, my name is Brittany Olson. Um, Most of my friends just call me Britt. I currently work at Squarespace. I work in the customer operations department. Um, What I do is I usually help folks build their websites, which is great. Oftentimes, these are people who are like, you know, building a website to pursue a dream. Maybe you're a stay-at-home mom, and this is like a way that you can Uh, work towards a passion project, or maybe you're starting a business or maybe, you know, whatever it is. So it's really cool to kind of be a part of that project with somebody. Part of my job there is either reviewing and trying to understand someone's objective, their site's aesthetic so that I can best help them accomplish whatever directions they're wanting to go with that. And then troubleshooting platform issues, code base bugs and stuff. So that's really what I'm doing right now. My first job, I started off working at a pizza place. So started from the bottom. Now I'm less at the bottom, you could say. (laughs) And before you got into Squarespace, you didn't really have much of a technical background, right? Correct. I had probably less than most eight-year-olds have right now. Couldn't burn a CD at all. Like I had no tech experience. I studied dance and creative writing in college. So those were kind of the directions I was going in. 
for a long time. Um, I was fortunate enough to get an opportunity to interview at this job. I was the only female who was hired in our hiring group. So I was one out of 10, 10 of us were all hired. Um, I was the only female. And then it was funny, like of the group, me and my partner who does work in tech, (laughs) we both applied for the job and he got cut. And so it was kind of like a, let's see who goes all the way sort of thing. And so that was kind of funny, but there were tons of people who had applied. It was, it just so happened to be like their big hiring event for the year. And so there was like a over a hundred people who had applied for the position. So it was really great to get whittled down. It was a long interview process. It was almost two months of coming in, doing, you know, comprehensive exams, just doing different things to see that you could be like competent at the work. And obviously I had no background in it. And so I studied their platform. I just pulled up sites and started like doing what I could to pass those tests. And it was, it was great. That felt really nice. But then as soon as you get the job, it's like another battle. Cause you know, everyone there has the background to sustain themselves. It's your story is like really crazy and interesting to me because you identified this thing that you wanted to do and you went after it and you got the position, which that in and of itself, I think, takes a lot of mental courage and will. But once you got there, too, I feel like there was a bit of a ramp. So I'm curious to hear how that how you experienced that and how you built up your confidence to feel like you belong and, you know, you have what it takes. Yeah, going into it, my whole angle, even throughout the whole interview process was I'm your customer. Most of the people that are writing in who are going to be wanting this one on one kind of support to build their websites are going to be people like me who don't have a lot of tech experience. So throughout the entire interview process, that was my angle. And that was like, hey, I'm the person. So I'm going to know how best to communicate in a way that's not overly tech languagey where it's like, oh, I'm going to say all these things and it's going to like go over your head because you don't know what and not you just don't, under, you know, you don't know the industry just like I didn't. So um, that was always my angle. And so I knew that that was going to be kind of the card that I used while I was there. So when I first started in, my strategy was to um, hit at that from a lot of different angles because I was not very confident in what I was doing. And so I reached out to different women in the office. I asked to shadow them, which was a great way to meet new people. Um, And the women who were working there were incredibly gracious with their time. They would let me shadow. They would let me come in and just like ask a bunch of questions, take a bunch of notes. I created probably 30, 40 test sites that I could just start like building random sites that I saw online that I'd try to replicate so I could build my skill set that way. I wasn't afraid to look stupid and ask questions, which I think there's like a little bit of a period where you kind of have to just grow beyond that point. But like asking questions, knowing full well that you're going to be the person, you know, it's like everyone's going to know the answer except for you. But just like owning it, you know, like I said, my angle was, hey, I'm your customer. I, I don't know what I don't know what we're doing here today. And so with that, I think I kind of had a little bit of a veil that I could ask all those dumb questions through and I didn't feel like it was punching my confidence level. But slowly but surely, I felt a lot better about obviously what I was doing, my work and so on and so forth. I felt like I could slowly but surely like take a little bit back in a meeting room where I could ask a question and not feel stupid or maybe I could contribute to something else not work related and you know just try to like find my footing. Yeah, I think the thought of feeling stupid 
is extremely universal. And I think even women who are coming into a job where they do have the background and they are familiar with it, I, I think that's experienced by so many people. And I think that you set a really good example of just saying, I don't care, like, screw it. I'm I'm just going to ask what I need to ask. Yeah. Like at the end, you're like, I need this information more than I can you know, afford to look stupid right now. But yeah, I think also for me, at least I felt like once it was, you know, like, okay, she's coming in, she's going to be asking a lot of these dumb questions. And I was like, Hey, everyone like bear with me. I'm going to ask a lot of stupid questions. Cause I don't know, like, I don't have a tech background. I don't have a software engineer degree, like, or anything like that. You know, some people were like, Oh, that's really great. Like she's like working really hard. She's like trying to do it. And then other people were like, mm, should you be here? Should this, you know, like if you really don't, if you're a fish out of water, is this a space for you? But slowly, I think proving them wrong, like they've come around. And that's a really great rewarding feeling just like in and of itself from like a workplace politics standpoint. Yeah, you won them over. And I'm also really impressed too, because when people are questioning you, if you're getting pushback from people around you, that can like, that can be really hard to process and not go down a path of self questioning. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there'd be a lot of times I'd be like, oh, you know, like leave on my lunch break and just kind of have to like regroup and be like, okay, yeah, I get it. Like, I look very dumb to all the engineers, like they could have hired any like candidate who was a lot more qualified for this. I fully understand that and acknowledge that. But for me, like I'm one of those people where like that kind of stuff fuels me, like nothing gives me more pleasure than flipping that script. And I work really hard to do it. <laughs> How are you able to stay like committed and mentally positive? through all of this? Yeah, uh, I would say for me, I really enjoy sweet. I don't want to say sweet, like revenge, but kind of sweet revenge a little bit. Like I love proving people wrong. I really do. I have kind of always been that way. When I was younger, I was had a back injury and I was like paralyzed at one point. And I was like, ah, that'll be fine. Like I'll walk again. Like it'll be fine. And like, I just like that. Like, I've always had this kind of like zeal where I was like, mm, I bet I could do that. Eh, I could do that. Like, I can look at almost anything and be like, okay, that'll be hard. And then I logistically think like how I would put pieces in place to make that happen. Just that's very enjoyable to me. I love figuring out puzzles. I love trying to figure out how I would get from one point to another point and then just trying it to see. I, I like that. I'm a doer. <laughs> I can tell just by getting to know you. What would you say to someone who wants to go from point A to point B and is like looking at their point B and it feels really far away and it feels really hard? What would what would you advise that person to do? For me, when I look at a point A to a point B, I'm like, okay, so if that's where I want to go, I start breaking it down immediately into smaller steps because maybe I can't see myself visually at point B quite yet. But maybe that's because that's just where I'm standing right now. And so I need to move either a little bit closer or in a different direction where I'm able to view myself in that role. And so I think about ways in which I can push myself forward, not necessarily in a position to have that, but in a position where I can visually see myself doing that, where I find that logical progression. Because sometimes that progression isn't as linear. It's like, oh, I'm going to go to school, get this specific degree, and then I'll get this job and it will transition into this other job, whatever. Um, sometimes it's, you know, like, oh, maybe internally, like I need to kind of like work through some things. So I feel like I can step out and take a chance or speak up, you know, like speaking up in meetings was, is 
still not necessarily my favorite thing, but it, I think that's something that grows with you in confidence, whether, whether that's like confidence in your abilities at your job or confident in just like you as a human being, like you feel safe to, you know, bring your voice into a room and speak on it, you know? So I think it kind of has to come down to like, you know, just moving yourself forward in small ways. Nothing happens overnight. Yeah, I agree. It's always lots of little steps. And I think well, I think part of the trick is that's helpful in a way because, you know, you don't have to do everything at once and it feels more manageable. But I think at the same time, when the thing you want is many, many small steps away too, like there's an element of keeping your head in the game and not getting discouraged by the fact that you are taking these small steps and that you're going to be in it for a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I think that's so important. And also like after you've made like a couple steps forward, being able to say like, oh yeah, I did this and this because I'm on my way to something like that lets you like put little like, you know, it lets you put like money in the bank, if you will, you know, like you're putting the coins in the bank where you're like, hey, I'm like storing up all of a sudden I have a little bit more to work with all of a sudden, you know what I mean? And that gives you confidence and that gives you just like I think that helps with drive and like staying in the game. That's such an important one because I think I know I have a tendency when I accomplish something, I immediately forget about it. And it's like over and in the past as if I hadn't. And I'm just like focused on the next thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, yeah, staying in the moment is super hard. I have a hard time doing that too. (laughs) (laughs) What, What did it feel like for you as like you started to like turn that corner, you know, and you went through this period of time where you were shadowing and kind of like building up these skills. But did you have moments of realization of like, oh, wait, like I'm not super new and unfamiliar anymore. Like things are changing and I'm finally feeling like I have a handle on all of this. Uh, Yes, totally. Uh, You kind of sometimes will get to a point where like you will be working on a project or something and then you will start seeing like other Like, oh, this could have been done in a slew of other ways, or this could have a different outcome. But like before, when you're first learning, like you don't know all the outcomes, you're like, oh, this is just the one possible answer. So it gives you more creative control, I think, Um, having a lot more (laughs) information on the topic for one thing. And then for me, like I've now started doing buddy week. And so new people that we're hiring, like taking them under my ring and doing like shadowing and stuff with them. And also just like teaching when you teach somebody else how to do something, I think it also like just reinforces that in yourself. But it's really, yeah, it's really cool to just hear because I feel like you truly started with very little background in this. So I just am personally like really impressed with the way that you went about it and where you've gotten yourself. And I I think that it's just a really good example for other people who might be like talking themselves out of it or thinking like, well, I want to do this, but like, I don't know if it's an option for me. Like, I just think that you're such a good example of like that, that has nothing to do with it. And you really can make any jump or any leap you want to and you should go for it at least try, you know, like before here, I was saying too, I worked in corporate mortgage. I don't have like a finance degree. I went to school for English and dance. You know, I, with that, I, a friend of mine was leaving his position where he had a finance degree working there. And so I interviewed, kind of got in and then it was a very similar process of like, okay, now I'm going to like learn all the government regulations for lending loans and so on and so forth. (laughs) 
it's just like after you do that, I think a couple of times, whatever kind of job it is, whether it's like a pizza job or like working at a bookstore, like after you've done that so many times, you're like, okay, I can pretty much jump into any scenario and figure out what I need to do. It's a, it's a very powerful skill and a very powerful feeling when it's just the general ability to navigate whatever the heck comes up. Yeah. I guess that is what it is. It's just like a general ability to figure out what, you know, how to stay alive <laughs> wherever you are. I think there's a certain like confidence and a little bit of like healthy swagger that has to come with that too, because you're basically saying like, I know that I can do something even if it's unpredictable. Not just I know I can do the thing that I've done, but I know just in general, I have this ability and I have this power to figure out whatever needs to be figured out or to do whatever hard thing comes up for me. Yeah, uh, I think probably the best lesson for me, at least that I've learned in my life is to bet on yourself. If you can bet on yourself in any scenario, I mean, you you're fine, you know, you'll be a okay, whatever the outcome is, because you can trust yourself to either manage if it's not going to be the most favorable outcome, or if it turns out to be a super great outcome, like you can obviously manage that. Like, if you can bet on yourself in any scenario, that is so important. That's kind of the vision that I have for all of this because I think I know I've underbet on myself many times in my career and in my life and I know that it can sometimes be hard to do and I think getting in the mentality of like nothing is too big or too hard or I'm not going to like not set a goal or go after this thing because what if I can't or what if it's out of reach but more this idea of possibility and not being so concerned with the ways that it can't work or the ways that you might not be good enough. Like, I think that's such a powerful mindset for women to get into. And I, I kind of want it to spread and become contagious. Yes, definitely. A hundred percent. I would love to see that contagious. And I'm not going to say like every single thing I've ever like tried or jumped for, like has worked out for sure. No, I've crashed and burned a million times, but that's a part of life. Like for me, I just think everything is a part of the process. And if some, if something doesn't work out right now, like maybe it's supposed to later on down the road and I need to pick up some more tools so that I can manage that at some point later on down the road. Like, I just don't think of it as like, Oh, that's it. Now we're done. You know what I mean? Like now I, I tried it and now I think I'll just stay in my safe space. Which is fine too. Like if that's that's how you feel, like that's your life. That's totally fine. Yeah. I think like when things go wrong, well, first of all, I think it emboldens you because you're like, oh, okay, I survived the bad thing. And it almost it takes away some of the scariness. But I also think that it sounds like this is kind of what you're saying too, and you've experienced if you allow yourself the time to stop and be like, is this trying to teach me something or tell me something? Or is this not just about like, I'm upset that this happened, but is there something else here? For me, I've I found there's usually something really of value in it if you just like give yourself the opportunity to look at what happened and what it might be able to tell you. Yeah, me and my friend were just talking about this the other day, the importance of while uh, we agree that we don't think feelings like your feelings should necessarily be in the driver's seat of what's happening. I think when you are feeling something, whatever is whatever the situation may be, they really do help you navigate what's going on internally. You know, like you might feel like completely averse to something. You're like, why do I feel this way? You know, like that 
I shouldn't, I should be happier. I should feel this way or that, but they really do kind of give you a great indicator of like what's going on inside. And if you let it, you know, like you can make some tweaks and maybe those are the tweaks that need to happen so that later on down the road, when you try for something similar, you know, you are more open and you can take on those things. Mm-hmm. And willing to be honest with yourself about like what you're experiencing internally. Yeah. One last question for you before I go into the listener question is, you know, you mentioned that you're one of very few women. And I'm curious how that has been for you and what challenges have come up there and kind of what you've learned through being in a pretty male dominated team and environment. Yeah, I will say working with Squarespace, they're a very progressive company. So by and large, um, I do work with some pretty amazing people. Uh, They're, you know, razor sharp mentally, they're so creative, and they really push me to grow and expand. And they inspire me to want to be better. You know what I mean? They want, I want to be, you know, as bright as them, I want to be considered like in their league, you know, they really are. They're great human beings, but that does come with some challenges, you know, like, when you're in a meeting and you're brainstorming and you're like all trying to come up with like creative solutions for a specific task, you know, like you might be graded, uh, like we're graded on metrics for instance. And so maybe your metrics for customer approval is like 98%, but maybe your workflow is at like an 80%. Well, like in the meetings, like everyone knows your metrics. So like they might feel like, Oh, well, you shouldn't speak up in this scenario. Like you can talk about what you're, you know, clearly doing well at, but maybe not anything else. So there's like something to be said about that. But, you know, like you might, I work with a lot of senior level people, which is great because then you can have a pretty broad spectrum. But oftentimes the conversation is usually like, hey, so this is what we think and, you know, whatever. And that's just kind of how it's going to go. It's... I think it's challenging for everyone, like every woman in whatever workplace you're in, like you're always going to be feeling that way. Like you're always going to feel like you have to push to make sure that like your ideas matter because they do matter. Sometimes you just have to like keep saying that. Oh my gosh. Yes. That is like the core message of the show is that your idea matters. The only criteria to judge whether your idea is good enough or whether it's, you know, should be shared is that you have it. (laughs) If you have an idea, it does matter. And yeah, it can be hard for them to get heard. And I think that that's an important challenge to acknowledge. But I think there's definitely ways that we can empower ourselves to help ourselves get heard. And I think there's so much we can do there to really get comfortable and find ways to be heard that feel natural to our own styles of communication. Mm-hmm. Like if you're getting talked over in a group, you know what I mean? Like if you're in a meeting getting talked over and you see a fellow female getting talked over, like just reiterating her point is a really great way to like help each other gain confidence in a room. I think just little ways that you can try to find to, you know, build each other up because you're just paying it forward. You're going to want that in some space later, you know? Oh my gosh. Yes. And it's always mutually beneficial. I feel like there's so much that we can do. And I now try to really pay attention to with every meeting I'm in, how many, you know, what are the ratios of different types of people in this meeting, right? And what voices are being heard and what role do I play? And there's just so much there and it's so important. Yeah, I totally agree. It's, um, it's just like being mindful and being present at the same time, knowing when to jump in and be like, Hey, you know, we should 
<laughs> we should think about other people's ideas and take them into consideration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think sometimes it's not it's not based on like any kind of intention, but I do think I'm going to make a massive generalization here, but I do think that men have a tendency to <laughs> talk a lot. <laughs> um, and I don't think they mean harm most of the time or some of the time, but it... <laughs> I think sometimes they don't realize that they're taking up a lot of the room and a lot of the real estate and not leaving much for other people. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. And yeah. And I don't know if that's, I think that is societal where it's like, we just, you know, reinforce that at such a young age, like girls will like raise their hand to talk in class. Boys will just start talking, you know, it's Mm -hmm. in these little ways that society um, just reinforces that it's so ingrained that like it's, it's hard sometimes to be like, Hey, I get it. Like, I know that this has been what this has been your reality for your whole life, but you are taking up all the space here. Like you can share. There's room for everyone. There really is room for everyone. Yes, there should be. I mean, why did you hire that person? You know, why is that person sitting there in that meeting? Exactly. And it's, you know, it's complicated, too, because there's all the stuff that's happening externally. And then you've got your internal internal world and you might be dealing with questioning of like, oh, is this idea worth sharing? You know, is it not going to make sense? Like, should I just keep it inside? And so I, I think there's a lot there that can be working against women sometimes. And I think, you know, it helps to be aware of it and to understand our own patterning also and see like where we can embolden ourselves in addition to just like being aware and mindful of our external circumstances. Yeah, no, totally. And that's such a great point, especially in our current political climate. There's a lot that is at stake for women specifically, not just women, but minorities and people of color, just anybody who's not essentially like a white cisgender male, not to, you know, put like a target and be like, all of them are a certain group, but they benefit specifically from the patriarchal system that we live in. And for that reason, yeah, it's sometimes very hard to go into work knowing that like externally, globally, like we're all kind of feeling a specific level of weight on our shoulders. And then like bringing that into the workplace and then knowing that you're going to have a specific weight of workplace that you're going to be kind of shouldering as well. Like, yeah, it's very layered for women. It's it's extremely layered. And I think we would all do ourselves a favor to understand the overlap between what's happening culturally outside the workplace and then what's happening inside those meeting rooms and inside that building and inside that company. Because as much as we might try to keep it separate or things might appear separate, I think I think there's so much overlap there. And I think without understanding what you said, which is like the context that all of this is happening in, I, I personally don't think we can get to where I want women to be and where I think women want to be professionally without taking all of that into consideration. Yeah, because it starts at the top, you know, like it absolutely starts at the top. And when you see that like your government is, you know, not upholding like women, you know, as valuable human beings and then, you know, giving them the autonomy to their own body and mind and thoughts and ideas. And yeah, for sure, that's going to like trickle down into the workplace, especially in corporate America where you're working with a lot of people who benefit from those ideas. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. And the people in positions of power in corporate America are mostly men. And yeah. it's it's a really, it's a tough dynamic. And I think that there's a big 
piece on men to, I think, get a little more self-education around this too, to understand what does it mean to be a manager or to be a CEO or to be someone in a position of power? What does that mean based on what's happening, you know, politically and with our government? And what does that mean in the workplace? And what does that mean if I have like young women on my team? Like there's a lot there to think about. And I really want to urge men to think about that a little bit because these things are not separate. And I think that you can really be not just like a good manager, but like a good person and a good steward of humanity by thinking about some of this stuff and maybe filling in some of the blanks where you might be lacking knowledge or be, you know, not in a bad way, but be ignorant about some of these things. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I think that we're in a really pivotal point in history where we need men to step up, honestly. We need men from that spe- like that specific group of men who are currently benefiting from these patriarchal traditional systems that be to step up and be like, I understand that I do benefit from this, but I also realize that like my this benefiting me is costing somebody else a whole lot, you know, where it doesn't need to be like that. And just stepping up, stepping up to the plate and being like, okay, we need to reevaluate this system and we need to find a system that works for everybody, not just one group of people or a specific group of people. And I think that is such a major, major shift that needs to happen. And with that trickling down, I mean, that would be amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think we're sort of getting there, but not nearly fast enough. And I think that there's still a lot of pieces of the puzzle and ingredients that aren't being included. But I think that there is forward motion happening, which is a good thing. I would just like for it to be a lot faster and a lot more aggressive and a lot more self-aware. Yeah, that would be amazing. That would be that would be amazing. Yeah, we're goal-oriented people. We're like, come on, let's get these things done. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I think I'm going to go into the listener question on that note, if you're ready for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm going to ask it, and then I'm going to give you the floor to answer the listener. So she asks, I recently started a new job, and it, and it involves a lot of hands-on problem-solving with my manager. He is way older than my manager at my previous job, and the experience and age gap is much bigger. I don't know how to handle these conversations or sessions. I feel self-conscious sharing or asking too much because I feel so young and inexperienced compared to him. I am withdrawing a lot, and I'm not sure how to get comfortable and get into a better rhythm with him. Any advice would be truly appreciated. Sincerely, feeling like a noob. Ooh, we've all been there. Uh, That is a great question. Uh, The first thing that pops out to me is just this idea of ageism when you're dealing with somebody who is so much older than you, who's in a position of authority over than you, over you, you know, you feel immediately like you need to be respectful with you and, you know, you should be respectful, especially in a business setting. Um, but there's also this, it does give you this strange dynamic where like you're feeling upstream where like, do my ideas, you know, are they going to match the same level of experience that this person has earned over so many years of doing this job? You know what I mean? But like, I would, really, really um, charge you to feel confident and comfortable with the idea that you're there for a reason. They want those new bright ideas. They want a new way to look at something. They want that that new perspective. And so that's something that's really important. Just like finding the ways in which that like you and your piece of the puzzle in that environment was chosen for that environment. I think that's a really good thing to kind of focus on. 
But in addition to that, just know like this is a societal issue where like in general, like women are kind of expected to be the D all of the above, you know? And when it comes to taking on positions where you're dealing with somebody who is older than you in a position of, you know, some kind of, you know, boss or whatever, they tend to, they tend to ask more of you than just your job. You know, you're also like commissioned for the emotional labor, running to go grab this, running to do this, you know? And it's just like very ironic because generally when the shit hits the fan, like you're also the one that's expected to pick up all the pieces. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm kind of expected to do all these things, I'm clearly like more than qualified to do this job. You know what I mean? And so just like finding little ways that you can reassure yourself that you're qualified, not maybe specifically in the tech skills or whatever the skills of that job are, but like in a broader scope. That's really, really helpful. And I think the part that you brought up about age is really important too because I think it can be helpful at times to dial down awareness of age and status and try to just strip that away and say how would this conversation go if this person was just a person and not like my manager who's older and more experienced like what would I say if he was just a human yeah that's a really good point too I really like that Well, I feel like we can get stuck in like the labels and like start creating stories around them. And sure, like someone who has more experience has more experience. But is that really a useful fact when it comes to thinking about how much you're going to participate? Like not not really, actually. Right. Like, yeah, like you you said it yourself, like you're there for your point of view. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. So the experience gap actually is not relevant, but you're kind of making it relevant. So I think sometimes ignoring that age difference or that experience difference can help you not do that. Yeah. And like sometimes for sure, it's harder to like ignore like that age gap when like they're kind of coming in with these other like social expectations like, oh, there's this huge age gap and you're a female. So obviously you're also going to make the coffee and obviously you're going to like clean up the room when we're done. And obviously you're going to like, like it does come with like these other preordained situations where it's like, hey, if you're qualified enough to do A, B, C, and D, just know like you're more than qualified to hold your own in the setting. But Mm -hmm. that is hard, hard to find that confidence and it's hard to, you know, speak to turn in that way. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I think I loved your answer from earlier about small steps, right? Because if you tell yourself, oh, I have to participate at 100% and share everything, like that's setting the bar really high for yourself. And that's kind of putting a lot on yourself. But if you say, I'm going to make sure to like jump in here or share this one thing, you know, that's a lot more measurable too. And that's a lot more tangible and it's finite and it feels more achievable. Yeah, for sure. And also, like, when I think of people coming from older generations, like, nothing speaks louder than hard work, you know? And so some of the people that I worked with, even when I was going through my ramp up period, were much older than me. And A, like, asking stupid questions, they were some of the first ones who were like, okay, great, like, we've got a noob on here who literally has no idea what, like, (laughs) we now have to train this person who's, you know what I mean? Um, But they were some of the first to really remark and respond to my work ethic and my hard work and my like, hey, I don't care if I look stupid right now because like in a couple months from now, I'm not going to look stupid. But at least, you know, if I don't ask these questions in a couple months, I'm still going to feel shaky in my job and I'm still not going to feel fully confident. So it's just like understanding that timeline a little bit. But like, 
hard work. Nothing speaks louder than hard work. Yeah, I really like that. And you just raised something that I never thought about and I think is actually quite powerful, which is the fact that this curiosity and this willingness to be jumping in and asking the questions, even though like you are kind of showing people like, hey, I don't understand this. It also shows that you care so much about the outcome. Yeah, exactly. And I think that people respond to that, you know, like maybe not right away. Maybe they'll be the ones, you know, not on your team, but they'll get on your team because they know that at the end of the day, like if a new project shows up, like you're going to get all the information that you need so that you can make the best project or make your best version of that project, you know? It's so true. Yeah, it's it's like you want to not ask a million questions, but if you want to do the thing right, then you need to ask as many questions as you need to ask. It's not really like a negotiable thing. Like you need to know what you need to know. I know, but there's this odd stigma about asking questions. And it's so weird. It's like, why is that such a weird thing? Yeah, I mean, I I think like there's really something here and I think it links back to confidence. I think it links back to imposter syndrome, but it's like it's coming up over and over on this show. It is fascinating me and like I really enjoy taking it apart and thinking about it. But I think it's this idea that like as soon as you vocalize something, you might have said the wrong thing or said the thing that makes people see you for what you truly are, which is incapable. And so that's why you shouldn't ask the question because there's a risk involved there. That's so true. And I think, I guess, too, like in different settings, people can be more comfortable with that. Like at work, I'll ask a question and I'm like, okay, so I'm going to show that I don't have this information, whatever. But then maybe like my personal life, I might not, you know what I mean? Like, cause I, for the same exact reason, like I don't want to give away all my vulnerabilities per se. Yeah. Well, I also think we get stuck in this weird thought loop of like, oh, everyone else knows this makes sense to everyone. I can't ask. Yeah. Like they all get it. So I'm dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, For me, it's been really, really powerful to just stop making it about being smart and just like embracing being dumb, the possibility of being dumb. You know, first of all, to anyone out there who's having that thought process, it's not dumb. It's usually not dumb. But second of all, I don't really care. Like, let it be dumb. Does it really matter in the end of the day? Like, something could make perfect sense to one person, like something that could be an intellectual masterpiece to one person can be completely confusing and make no sense to another person who is equally smart. It's just so (laughs) subjective. It's incredibly subjective. It's true. And that's such a great point to try to like get away from like, oh, just not caring if you feel dumb or if you feel stupid or if you think that you're going to be perceived that way. Because like, why does it matter? Everyone feels like everyone's going to feel that way at some point. Everyone can relate to that feeling. That's not an isolated feeling that only a few people feel. Everybody feels stupid sometimes. Everybody feels like they're not getting it while everyone else is, you know? So it's just like, that's, everyone brings something else to the table. That's just life. Yeah. And also the the reason that I want to encourage as many women as possible to try to separate themselves from the line of thought that's evaluating the quality of their questions and the quality of their ideas is because I'm convinced that like when we're running on two tracks and we have one track that are like our ideas and our thoughts and then we have another track that's like the evaluation and the judgment and like is it good enough should I share it I think we're wasting brain space and I think when we turn off that second track (laughs) the first track becomes way better and way stronger and I think In my opinion, when you see people doing really well, kind of rising to the top, rising up, 
they're so fully engaged in what they do. And I just don't think you can have that deep level of engagement and connection and taking something apart intellectually and thinking through a problem or whatever it is you're working on if you're also spinning your wheels in the back about yourself and your ability and, you know, experiencing that questioning. Yeah, totally. Just like being present where you can like get out of your brain and get out of those like insecurities and stuff. Sometimes like those insecurities can be very helpful. Like sometimes when you are feeling like, like I'm a person who believes in following your intuition. Like if you feel like, okay, maybe I need more information on this, like follow that, you know, definitely, you know, or if maybe you like are the type of person where like you've been burned a few, two times. And so now like you're, you know, you've got like a fire in you that you want to succeed. So you're willing to do whatever you need to do. And I think like being aware of how you can use those insecurities in a way to like wield the outcome you want, your desired outcome is great. But yeah, you can't, keep both open at the same time and expect to have the same result. You know, like if you can close that talking part of your brain and like really focus on your project, like you'll just go so much further. I love that. And I think it kind of comes full circle and goes back to your story, right? Because for you, it was really just about like, I'm going to do all the steps I need to do. I don't care how it looks or how it sounds. This is how I'm going to learn this new job and this new skill set. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love it. So I'm going to go into the closing questions that I ask everyone. I'm so excited to hear your answers to them. I've been looking forward to this. So the first one is around the title of the podcast, which is The Art of Speaking Up. And we've talked about it quite a bit, but I just want to give you a little bit of space to share whatever you would want to share with women out there about speaking up, whatever is important to you. I think... uh when it comes to speaking up, like that's not easy for anybody. And I still like, I have some days where I feel really, really comfortable in my own skin and wherever. Um, and I can, you know, speak pretty freely and I feel comfortable. And then there are other days where I'm like talking and I can feel the nerves in my throat and that's fine too. Apart, like all of the days and all of the steps to get to the point where you can just like own your voice and own your thoughts and bring them and share them is a part of the process. I would say try to view everything as just part of the process. Every little part of life, like you're just adding these little tools to your kit that you're going to get to use later, or you're going to get to use in a different way later. Um, And that's so important, but that's hard to do, you know, like in the moment, like breaking that down and being able to like switch between the big picture, which is like, hey, maybe right now in this moment, I don't feel fully comfortable speaking up. I'm going to push through that. I might be shaky. I might be, you know, visibly uncomfortable but I know that like that's just one stop in this process where at the end I might be speaking to a bunch of people very comfortably and like I'll be able to be that person for somebody in that crowd you know to look to um speaking up that's a really good one all right cool that was I loved that answer so much I'll now I'll ask you the final question which is basically where I give you the floor to share whatever you want with listeners. So I created this podcast because I know what it's like. And I think you know what it's like, too, to not be in a great place or to just need some encouragement or motivation. So I want to give you the floor to share whatever you think is important for people to hear. Yeah, um, I think uh, if I could inspire or empower anybody, I would love to do so in 
you know, any part of my life that you could take inspiration from by all means do. Um, for me, I think I've said this before, being able to get to a place where you can really like bet on yourself, um, and not necessarily in like a, Oh, a vision board, which is fine. If you're a vision board kind of person and you think visually like that's totally valid. Um, but like get to a place where you're like, Oh, I'm just so like, I know this in my soul where it doesn't matter if I have a bunch of vision boards or it doesn't matter if I have like a list of goals. Like I just know this to be true in me. And that's really hard to do. And like something that for me I've gotten to is I feel very comfortable being resourceful, you know, like that's something that I little tools that I've picked up along the way, like working at CC's pizza starting off there and then working up into a different job and just like gaining tools for my toolkit. Um, I slowly but surely started adding different types of tools to my toolkit where I felt like, oh, I can use this now in this situation where, you know, maybe that's not the situation you would normally think to use that tool. But like you just get you just get to a place where you can bet on yourself where you're like, okay, I now know that I'm in a new space that I know nothing about. That's okay. I'm going to be fine. Like I'll just figure it out. I'll just get it done kind of a thing. And I think people, I, I think they come to that space in a lot of different ways. For me, I was in a car accident when I was younger, I broke my back. And I remember, um, at that point I was like, I couldn't walk or anything. And I remember the doctor coming in to tell me that he didn't think I was going to walk again. And he tells me, I'm not, he, he was like, yeah, I don't think you're gonna, I, I don't think you're gonna walk again. And I said, that's not true. And I just went to sleep. I just turned over and went to sleep. I was like, mm, I don't really have time for this. Like I just, in my soul, like, I don't believe those words. Like, it's just not, I just don't like, that's just not going to happen. Like, I'm just not, that's not going to happen. So I went to sleep. And then the next day I was like, okay, I'm going to start like doing things to try to be mobile, like sort of active. So I would, you know, go on a little stroll in my wheelchair around the hospital, talk to the nurses, do whatever, not in like a imagining myself walking one day or like making a vision board of me, like walking one day, just like, a, Oh, that'll happen. Like if you're sick, you know, like you're like, Oh, I've got the flu. Well, you know that you're going to be fine in a couple days. Like you just know that it just, you just resolve to the fact like, this is not fun right now, but I'm going to be fine. It was just like one of those kinds of things. And I think when you go through something like that and you come out the other side, you know, like obviously now I, I walk, I studied dance in school. So I went on to like dance and stuff um, and did that like pre-professionally. And so you, you learn to just like bet on yourself. Like I don't have all the answers. I know I'm not the most educated. I know that I'm not the smartest in the class, the prettiest, the whatever. Like I, I don't have all of the answers for anything. But what I do know is like in any situation, I'll figure out a way to make it work. Like I'm just very resourceful. And I think you come to that in different ways. So I would say finding little ways that you can bet on yourself, little ways that you can like put that in your pocket where whatever situation you're in, you're like, all right, this will, you know, this might not be fun right now, but it'll be fine. Like it'll work. I, I, I can see how that resilience is just, I think it's just part of you. I think so. I think I was like a born fighter, not necessarily like street wise, but I think just internally, I've just always been someone who's like very determined, I guess. I can tell. And I think that you will inspire many people who will hear your story because you know, one of the things that I've 
I've thought about a lot with this show is women's empowerment is for everyone, right? And I think we all have various levels of confidence and resilience. And I love your story. I think not everyone has that, right? Like some people it's harder and some people need a little bit more of a push. And I really love your story because I think it's kind of an example of like you can get to where you want to go. And also I think like the thing that you have, I think people can build also. And I think that that's really important and powerful. I feel like if I could relate that to anybody, like like I've said, like there's nothing that I would find proprietary. There's no special blend, I think, to like me or my abilities. Like I said, like I, you know, I did go to college. I have a degree, but I'm not like, I didn't go to like a super fancy school. I don't come from like a super wealthy family. Like I don't have a lot of those characteristics, although I fully identify and acknowledge I have privileges. I am a white female, you know, um, I do acknowledge that, but I, there were like other stepping stones. So I guess what I'm saying with that is like the things that my resourcefulness, that's a tool. That's not something I don't think I was like born with some special power at all. Like, I think that that's, that's a tool, you know, and I picked that tool up in these really small ways, just like learning how to, you know, be in any, whatever situation it was, just trying to figure out how I was going to figure it out in that scenario. And you can do that. Anyone can do that in any scenario. Like, Hey, how am I going to make this work? You know, for all of us. And, you know, for me, based on my objectives in whatever the scenario is, and you're absolutely right. It's buildable. It's something that anybody can work on. Yeah. And it sounds like you built it too. Like this was <laughs> maybe it wasn't always there in its fullest, maturest form, but you've nurtured it and you've grown it. And now I think you seem to me like someone who's at a point where you're going to go after whatever it is that you want. Like there's not, it doesn't really seem like there's much that's going to stop you. Uh, very much true. <laughs> and like, I, I, now I'm like trying to figure out like, okay, so where do I go from here? Like I feel pretty comfortable in the space that I'm at right now with my job. And I'm like, what's next? Like, do I want to stay in tech? Do I want to check out something else? Like, we'll see. I love it. And I love that that's your mentality. And I can't wait to see what you end up doing next. Uh, me too. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much, Britt. It's been incredible talking with you. Thank you so much for having me. I love this, by the way. Thank you for listening to my conversation with Britt. I hope above anything else, her story made you see that you don't have to have all the pieces in place to want something for yourself that feels bigger or farther away than what's already in reach. And I hope that whatever it is you want, whether it's a different job or a higher position or a promotion or maybe something entirely different, but whatever it is, I hope it inspired you to ignore all the questions and all the pessimistic ideas and thoughts that tell you it's impossible and to just find a little step forward you can take to go for it. It's like Harry said in episode nine, be really big and bold in your thinking and your dreaming, and then be really small and tactical and calculated in your next steps. So whatever your next step is, I'm excited for you to take it, and I'm excited for wherever it leads you to. And with that, I want to thank you for listening. And as always, if you're enjoying the show, subscribe, review, rate the show, all of the things, and feel free to send in a listener question if you want to have your question potentially answered on the show. I will put the contact info in the show notes and I'll catch you next week. Bye.